Homeowners, the mortgage market is starting to move, but the good news is rates are still incredibly low. Don't miss this opportunity to refinance your mortgage. Call Quicken Loans at 888-249-1425. Quicken Loans is America's home loan experts, closing 1 million home loans over 25 years. And recently, J.D. Power & Associates ranked Quicken Loans highest in customer satisfaction in primary mortgage origination. Find out how quick and easy it is to refinance with Quicken Loans. Call right now for a free rate quote and see how much Quicken Loans can lower your monthly payment. Call 888-249-1425. That's 888-249-1425. For J.D. Power & Associates award information, visit jdpower.com. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. Nationwide mortgage licensing system number 3030. That's Quicken Loans. What is it that we're going to do independent of white people? It is very, very hard for us to envision a world without white people. But we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist. Now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them. But certainly when we talk about a future, we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality. War, peace, Anisogama, Salbona, Abargani, Majwo, Nangadaf, Indamana, Indamanesh, Hetaku, Pan-African Greetings Family, this is your host, Kamal Mukasey Tahuti, and you have entered Africa's Reascension. As we usually do, we'll start off with an apai or a libation, which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our spirit forces, and the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. I go, I go. I go, Odumakuma, Inyame, Inyamewa, Etridiapon, Unkulukulu, Olorun, Amenra, Pata, Bejeansa, Asasaya, Insa, Abasun, Insa, Abasun Po, Insa, Nana Sergibi, Insa, Nana Esiketua, Insa, Nana Dada Kofi, Insa. Nana Tigare, Nana Tigare, Nana Tigare, Insa. Nana Kumi, Insa. Kweku Free, Insa. Akonadia Bena, Insa. Asubontan, Insa. Bocherewa, Insa. Taminsa, Insa. Jehuti, Insa. Shago, Insa. Ogun, Insa. Oya, Insa. Herukahuti, Insa. Oshun, Insa. Nana nom in Samanfu insa. In Samanfu abasu file insa. Abasun abasu file insa. Ishrimo yansa. Ishrimo ahodin. Ishrimo and chera. 
Yeshremo Sikapa, Yeshremo and Kwasa, Yeshremo and Kwasa, Abasuafal, Ye and Kwasa. I ask that you, Odomakuman, and Yame, and Yame Wa, a treaty upon Olorum, Mukumukulu, use me and Africa's reascension to impart clarity and cultural consistency to all within the sound of my voice. May I speak directly to their soon-soon, their spirit, and reawaken the long, dormant, and asleep African inside of them. Medasi pa, medasi bio, mo piafo, mo ne casa, medasi nanano, yo medasi nanano. The pie or libation is an ancient practice that is still done to this day in all rural traditional areas throughout the continent. Past, present, and future become one as those of tomorrow look upon what we are doing now and drawing strength from and doing the rituals of yesterday. All right, again, welcome. This is Kamal McCasey Dehudi. You are here at Africa's Reascension. Madasi to all of the early birds in the call queue and in the chat room. Um, also put in the chat room... For more archived material from Africa's Reascension, because we've just moved over here to this extended format uh, maybe a month ago, and so the bulk, uh, about six months' worth of material, uh, is actually over at blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau, K-A-M-A-U-301. Over there, we did some great shows on militant integrationalism, exposing the fallacy of the African origins of Christianity. Are we wasting our time dealing with mass organizing? A whole bunch of good stuff is over there. And so um, you want to download those archives and check them out. And, again, blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau, K-A-M-A-U-301. And for everyone that wants to be a part of tonight's discussion, the call-in number is 347-633-9561. 347-633-9561. So, as we say on the show page, tonight we should wrap up this portion. This is 2.5. We've probably got... Um, one, maybe two more, maybe we can get it all in one episode. So we'll have one more um, piece of this series dealing with identity confusion. Um, but for tonight, um, we'll pick up where we um, left off last week. I wasn't able to get all of the information in. We had a few calls and, and a few other things um, took more precedence, and then you look up and all the time was going, it's like, hey. So, yeah, so. Today, we'll be getting back into, we'll be engaging how we are still African people, even in the midst of white supremacy, understanding who we were, who we are, our history, our potential, and our capacity for reclaiming our greatness are all directly linked 
to an accurate acknowledgement of our identity. Um, I'm sort of hyped today because earlier on, um, all afternoon actually, um, I'm part of a basically a monthly um, Amos Wilson study group slash social gathering. And today we had um, the book that we were reading and critiquing was Blood in My Eye by George Jackson. And um, there, there, there's about, you know, eight African-centered nationalists within the group. And then you have this one um, socialist-leaning individual, um, and and if nothing else, because you know I ain't gonna spread all this sort of stuff <laughs> on on blog talk. But the one thing that I will share, uh, because I can expand it to be talking about wider group of people, is the understanding of the depth of culture <laughs> and and just really how deep that is. What we have lost as a group of people by being in this wasteland called America, but more specifically what we have lost as a people by being in this wasteland called European reality. We just don't get it. And, I, and I'm not talking about, you know, the folks with their pants sagging and, and, and using the B word and the N word every other sentence. I'm talking some of our best and brightest young minds aren't getting it. And, and of course, you know, it's easy to lay most of the blame on the, the, the larger culture for the, the, the larger reality, quote-unquote reality for, you know, putting out their information to ingrain in black folks' heads, and everybody's head, but especially our head, um, to be anti-African, to demean Africa, consciously or subconsciously, to really not think that Africa has anything to offer as far as life. It's okay to do some African music here and there. It's okay to go down and eat some African food. It's cool to wear dashiki and kente cloth and all that sort of stuff. But when you really start getting into thinking African, and, and part of what that means is using the best of our culture as the lens to view everything else, everything else. Reaffinization plus dewhitenization, um, but the depth of of of, of our spirit of our spiritness, the depth of of knowing the culture and using our culture to our benefit, the depth of looking into our past, finding those elements one that are static that has stayed the test of time two hundred three hundred thousand years but also certain specific things that worked at specific times. And meshing that with the present day and then moving forward. And I hate to use this example, but since most of our folks are coming from a European background and, and, and partial understanding, I'll go ahead and use it. Caucasoids, 
when they were happily for us about to be wiped off the planet during their middle ages, during their dark ages, they had a renaissance. The main component within that renaissance for them, now I ain't talking now, of course we know that also after that time they decided to go out and conquer the world and they made the decision whoever was going to be running the world, we don't care as long as it's one of us. So that's that's the external stuff that they did. But I'm talking the internal stuff that they did. They went back to what they considered their classical, their 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 high, their great civilization, Greece and Rome. And I know some folks can argue that Greece <laughs> wasn't a Caucasoid civilization, but they say it was. Um, and and I ain't gonna fight them on that. They can have Greece. They went back to Plato, Aristotle, Aximander, Aximenes, Pythagoras, all of that, and 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 understood it as best they could, dusted off the cobwebs from, you know, the 300s when all that 300s A.D., Gregorian Calvin, when that was going down, updated it for that time, 1500s, 1600s, whatever, whatnot, and use that information and that knowledge for an internal cultural revolution amongst themselves. And again, I apologize for having to use this example to make this point. Comma, that's what we should be doing right now. Looking back to Kemet, looking back past Kemet, to the Twa, to the Khoisan, Looking back to um, the, 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 the Congo, to the Bantu, to, to the Ewe, looking back at our traditional societies, finding out what worked, dusting off the cobwebs, updating it for modern day, and using that information to move us forward. And we're not doing it. Hardly nearly enough. <laughs> there, there, there are those of us that are doing it. I'd include myself in that. But but we're not doing it in, in, in the larger scale, in the medium scale. Because the larger scale, folks are are waiting around to see what's going to happen. So until something happens, they're going to follow the mainstream, which is Caucasoid reality. We have to look back into our economic systems and find out how Kemet did what they did. Let's look at the Twa. Let's look at our traditional societies and find out how they, how, what type of, if you, want, if you can call them economies, economic systems, how they did it. Find, pull, pull the best examples, mesh stuff together if you have to, um, fuse it with modern-day understandings and use that as the model to create your economic systems. Capitalism, communism, socialism ain't going to work for us, period. Dig back into the political systems. How did Kemet govern themselves? How did the Khoisan people govern themselves? How, how, how did the Zulu and the Shona, how did they govern themselves? Do a nice survey of traditional Africa, the political systems, fuse stuff together, 
mesh it with the present-day understandings and use that to forge forward with a political system and understanding a system of governance. Democracy is presently defined and Democrat, Republican, and all that crap isn't going to work. And I, and for regular listeners, y'all know <laughs> um, my take on, on the spirituality piece. Uh, and with the spiritual piece, it's about linking back to the cultures within our lineages and and, and fusing those together and then moving forward using that energy. But trying to blackenize and Africanize Christianity, blackenize and Africanize Islam and all this other stuff has not and will not work. And and that's what reaffinization is. And we're going to get into Baba um, Okoto's reaffinization process. Um, it's one of the diagrams that's on the front page. And, again, for folks who... Since they make me shrink stuff down, I don't know if folks can fully see it, but if you want a copy of it so you can see it, um, hit me up on email, kamau301 at yahoo.com, K-A-M-A-U-301 at yahoo.com. But we're going to walk through. It's basically three phases, but there's a lot of Definition and then revitalization, rediscovery, historical recovery, redefinition, cultural reaffirmation, and revitalization, national liberation. And as, and as the Okotos say, right now we're just in the rediscovery phase. It's a hard pill to swallow, and we know we want to do a whole bunch of other stuff, but right now we're still in the rediscovery phase. And... Um, There's so much more work to be done. This this debating, on one level, I understand we got to debate other folks because I'm down for squashing all these splinter groups because the less confusion within the ranks of folks that say they're conscious, the better. But we also need a nice segment of, of our people who are actually doing the work and moving us forward. And 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 if we could get if we could get all the folks that call themselves black nationalists and pan Africanists that are doing blog talk shows, you know, if we could cut that number in half <laughs> and and one half stay stay on blog talk and put the information out, then the other half actually get money together and buy some buildings and create some programs and create an institution <laughs> or institutions. Um, that will move stuff forward. Um, the more buildings, programs, and institutions we have as African-centered, pan-Africanists, as, as African-centered people, period, the better we can further ourselves from all these folks that are just talking and want to debate. All these folks that are talking don't have institutions. The socialists been around for damn. The black socialists been around for damn hundred years since the 1920s, and and the only thriving or, or still really ex, in existence place that I know of is down in Florida. But they they will attempt to infiltrate all the 
pro-black groups and push their Marxist, Leninist, and Krumist, Torreist agenda and just try to throw everything off. Um, these Moors will come in and talk about why are we just limiting ourselves to Africa? We're under the sea. We're moving Lemuria and all that crap that you can't prove. It's time to get serious. It's time to nation build. As best as we can in America. I do feel like we cannot get it all here in America, but for folks who will stay, then we need some sanity. We need some spaces of clarity. We need some spaces. We need fihankras, which are liberated zones. We will need some spaces wherever we, wherever in the dungeon we plan on staying for our sanity. And then they link up with everyone who decided to leave and go back home um, as they create institutions and stuff on the continent. And then you have the cross-continental unity and cross-continental contacts and connections and cross-continental nation-building. Then it becomes international nation-building. Then you can start talking global nation-building. But we're not there yet. Folks trying to hem me up in the chat room in, in one of the blog talk chat rooms last week over the name Africa. And again, like I said, the old boy who called in two weeks ago talking about the Africa stuff. I'm, I'm more concerned with us reawakening the values, the folkways, the mores, the traditions. If we can get that part ingrained in more of us and move forward, but we don't have a, 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 the name for the continent down, we will be a lot better off as a people. But if we come to a consensus on a new name for the continent, but we don't have the culture and the values and the mokways and the farways squared away, we'll just have a cute name being the Hello Pressed. We'll be happy. We got a name we, that we can all agree on with the continent, but we'll still be oppressed. So give me the values. Give me the culture. Give me the spirituality and the African deity. Give me all of that. And then in another 50 years, if we come up with a name, that's cool, but we'll be more functioning in, within our reality without the name because we got all the other stuff. We're getting caught up on silly stuff. Silly stuff. Okay, that's my opening rant. <laughs> Let me um, play a promo and some music and then get into Identity Confusion 2.5, how we are still Africans. Peace and divine love, family. Do you want to critically analyze African culture from an intellectual, honest, and practical perspective? Are you tired of all the distractions, self-righteousness, yelling and arguing with no plan or solution? Do you want to build on the facts and deal with the subject or issue at hand? Well, come and listen to our nation's ambassador, Asar, make knowledge born every 9th and 19th of each month at 9 p.m. That's every 9th and 19th of each month at 9 p.m. On the show everyone is talking about African Holistic Healing at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ambassador Assad. 
That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ambassador Asar, spelled A-U-S-A-R. Or call in live to build or ask questions at 347-850-8653. That's 347-850-8653. Peace. Riddle in the 
the Alice thing. Say it's secure, but all they tell you is a habit. Just want to take you up, just want to bring you down. Uncle Sam is the biggest dope man in every town. So it's almost like we've been conditioned so well through such a long process that now it is us who are enslaving ourselves mentally. Because the job has already been... The job has been done. It would be so easy, in one sense, for us to undo it. That's what I'm saying in this book. Because the way the system of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. We really have to understand that quote. Um, <clears throat> We played a promo for Africa, African Holistic Healing, uh, Brother Ambassador Sar, the 9th and 19th every month at, I think, 9 o'clock. And so he will be doing the show tomorrow, actually. Um, I'll have to – so check him out. Just type in Ambassador Sar on Blog Talk. He always has some good shows, good information, so you want to check that out. Uh, and then we played um, Pills from the Sister of Flint, Michigan, Flint putting it down from her album Home Guns, Home Girls and Hand Grenades. Her name is Theory. And then um, one of my favorite all-time quotes from Amarimba Ani. And we got to understand it. And we're going to do a whole show just dedicated to her and her wisdom um, coming up in the near future. So to segue into our identity piece, uh, Mama Marimba in um, Let the Circle Be Unbroken has a magnificent quote. We, as black people, have been told that we are not African for so long and with such social scientific quote-unquote expertise that we have great difficulty believing otherwise. How is it possible that we can still be African people in the midst of all this insanity and craziness and we were completely and totally transformed and changed during the Ma'afa, during slavery, and, and and our 500 years over here on the uh, in, in New York. Um, we surely don't have a connection with folks on the continent still, do we? That's what folks say. Let the circle be unbroken That I mean for me when I first Read that see folks underestimate That book it's like 86 pages by Mama Rambani It's about 86 pages But in that book She lays out How we're still Africans 
especially based on the, the, the our, our, our spiritness, our spirituality, our, our spirit connection. She just lays it out beautifully, succinctly, um, don't mince no words. I mean, Urugu is a magnificent book. It completely changed my life. I need to read it for a third time to see what I pick up on this time before I'm at now. But let the circle be unbroken, folks. Sleep on that book. <laughs> you got to go get it. Um, another quote to tie in with what we just said. Various theorists maintained that the trauma of slavery severed all ties between us and our ancestors, culturally as well as physically. If that were the case indeed, it would have meant death for us as a people, given the African understanding of the meaning of life. We have believed the propaganda of our oppressors. We have believed the propaganda of our oppressors. And that belief has been so deeply ingrained over the few centuries of our existence in New Europe that it is difficult to ignore. Ironically, while we persist in denying our heritage, it is that very Africanity that allows us to survive in the spiritual wasteland of America. Our oppressors have emphasized the loss of language, dress, living patterns, and hear this, other tangible and surface, tangible and surface aspects of culture. They do this for for they do this with good reason. It is an emphasis that serves their objectives. Until we learn that it serves our objectives to emphasize the similarities, the ties, the unifying principles, the common threads and themes that bind and identify us all as Africans, we will continue to be politically and ideologically confused. The argument of the European is all too easy for us to accept. We look around us, and while in the Caribbean and black communities in South America, African retentions are quite visible, but African presence in North America is problematic. How are we African, we ask? We do not know where to look for continuity. Not knowing ourselves, we have not known how to recognize manifestations of our heritage. We must learn to look primarily on a much deeper level than that which is emphasized by Europeans. Just as African culture itself can only be understood on its deepest level. I'm already it. If we look deep enough, we will find that our deepest beliefs are shared beliefs and that deep within we are one people. It's still there. It never left. Caucasoids as a, I'll be nice, as a human group cannot 100% deculturalize another group. 
they can barely do it to individuals because I don't care how much European culture you think you've assimilated into, you still ain't a Caucasoid. I remember a quote from Thurgood Marshall. He was like, when I was in the Supreme Court, I was the most recognized black man in America, and there still was places that I couldn't get into because I was the black man. And 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 we saw this whole thing with um, y'all, President Obama, back with the whole Skip Gates thing. He he had the nerve to say this was the the, the police, the, the the process by which they handled Skip Gates was stupid and it was you know probably racist, and 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 the American pundits lost their minds. We thought you was different, Barack. You don't have this legacy of slavery. How you going to see this as a race thing? And what they do, they sat down over some damn beers and talked it out. And the Caucasoid policeman and all his superiority, because he's still a Caucasoid, was like, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have done a damn thing different. Here it is, the President of the United States, sitting down, trying to discuss with you the issues and how you misperceive this and the history of how you got it misperceived and all this other sort of stuff. And the Caucasoid still comes out and say, I would do the same thing if it happens again. Because they see the President still as a nigger. Okay. We have to go deeper to understand we're still African people. We have to go deeper. bunch of points from, a whole bunch of different disciplines and areas and stuff to show that that, that we are still African people today. Because based on, because if we can get it, if we can get that we're African people and that we have a totally different culture, worldview, and reality from these people, One, we won't be constantly trying to assimilate and integrate into their thing and becoming a president of this thing and thinking we've attained something. We will then be more focused on creating our own stuff based on our own reality. But if we think that we're American, if we think that we're something else, then that something else will be the thing that's supposed to take care of us. That something else will be the history that moves us and drives us forward. That something else will be what gets in the way of our eventual liberation because we're not that something else. I don't know how much more clear I can say it. I'm going to try to lay out more information in, in, in the more technical 
area to 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 um, to give information to graft onto the left side of the brain so you can analyze it and figure it out. But we are a stolen African people attempting to adapt to an anti-African reality. And the only way to properly and really succeed in this environment is to be who you are. As we spoke on last week with the the African-Centered Behavior Change Model by um, Dr. Nobles and others, we can adapt to this society, still knowing that we're African, still being African, but adapt to certain aspects for certain specific short time spans. But when those short time spans are over with, we go back into our Africanness. And that's different from adopting. Adopting is when the the culture that you're adopting is is in your head better than yours. So African holidays those 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 don't have any weight with you. All European holidays have the weight with you. European philosophy has all the weight with you. And you'll even freaking question if African people have philosophy. I go, I take the Baba Carruthers route. Okay, no, skip your philosophy. We had African deep thought, which is far deeper than, you know, thinking about and contemplating the world. No, we understood spirit and, and worked with spirit, spirit forces within the environment. That's a whole lot deeper than just picking your navel and and contemplating, oh, what if this happened? Oh, what if that happened? No, we had direct interactions with other spirit forces. That's deep thought in the African sense. So y'all keep y'all philosophy, philosophizing and all that stuff. But you can only get there if you know that your reality is different from Chinese people, from Asian people, from Europeans, from all, it, we have a reality. The white European supremacy domination logic That brutality and terror The natural racial cultural condition of humanity From one race culture identity to another And then in parentheses he says He adds which it seems to me can only hold logic under the belief in the veracity of the assumption of European race culture superiority over the African race culture. Brutality and terror alone can transform your identity. That's what Caucasoids have been pushing and pushing and pushing to get us to believe. And that's what their dark-skinned minions parrot and parrot and parrot and get us to believe. 
It has definitely transformed our consciousness, but our identity has not changed. And we went over that in, in part one, so 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 check that archive out. I won't bring that all the way back up now. And then uh, I think it was Nana Sankofa who shared with us. Now Sankofa is an African deity, an African abasum, which which is poorly translated into deity. And, and a few folks commented they really, really like that quote. And also give us the insight into how to get rid of your Say, you know, uh, please share um, energy in for when you're doing your your personal apayas and your um, community-based apayas to Brother Fukia. Um, I, I've got word that he's not only been going through some financial issues, but it seems like he may be going through some um, physical and mental issues right now. Um, I don't have all of the details. Um, I guess I'm still trying to get them And then what I can share I will share But let's just put out some positive energy To Brother Fukia That he can make you know A 110% recovery uh, Because we need his energy the, the information that he's put out You know thus far Has been magnificent And in, in, in helping people put together Rites of passages And Helping people clarify African theories, all that sort of stuff, and so his energy is 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 very very needed. We need more folks on the continent, you know, from the continent, who understand their their larger African piece and who are still tied to the traditions to then give us that information back, um, so then we can use it wherever we are and move forward. And, and so he was definitely, definitely one of those. And so please put out positive energy so that he can make a full recovery. So in his work, <clears throat> self healing power, self healing power and therapy, he speaks of a with the community of the so called dead. The Congo people call it Insinga di Kanda Waninga. Insinga. Dikanda 
Waninga, the community rope or the genetic rope. They say the community rope rings. Oh, the community rope rings never breaks. The community biogenetic rope or linkage is eternal. No one breaks it or gets away from it. There is truth that cannot be denied in this old African teaching. All biogenetic community members are linked one to another. And then he says, he concludes with, Africa suffers today because she does not know first her own cultural cloth, system, language, experiential knowledge, and concept. So then I continue. There's a biogenetic unseen rope that ties all Africans, essentially to their lineage mates, past, present, and future. But to see the deep merit in this statement, one must first identify with Africa, have a positive disposition towards Africa and her age-old wisdom on her terms, and then it can be used to transform one's life. It's much, much harder to grasp, if it even can be grasped, starting consciously from the perspective of identifying with America. So Caucasoids are telling us we have been completely cut off, completely severed. African folks are telling us they have a whole concept behind it called Nsinga Dikanda Waninga, which says that the community rope rings never break. The linkage is eternal. So, who are you going to listen to? Cargozoids to have a vested interest in us not being African to our detriment? Or African wisdom that has been nurturing us for 200 to 300,000 years before these last 600 came? See, all of our problems is because we're caught up in this last 600 years of our history. Either we don't even know about the other 200 to 300,000 years, or we don't go far enough back in it to get to raw, uncut Africa. So who are you going to listen to? Caucasoids that don't give a damn about you? And that definitely don't want you Because see here's the thing If you identify with Africa And not just The continent But it, when I say identify with Africa I'm talking you re-Africanize And de-whitenize so you, 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 so you get back into Your African spiritual systems So that's a whole bunch of money From just you and your family That's not going to a church, mosque, or synagogue you 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 stop doing certain things um, physically as far as maybe you change up your diet, and so there that and and so then you had a p- potential to become more healthy. So then that takes a whole bunch of money from you and your that takes the money that would have been from you and your family that would have been going to the hospitals. 
you have the potential. And note that I keep saying potential because I don't. That, that there's a whole lot more within reaffirmation. We'll get to that. But you have the potential to have more mental stability because you know who you are. You have the potential to be more mentally healthy and culturally sane because you know who you are. And so you you won't want to be wigged out on some of these crazy drugs and you won't be flipping off on women and you won't be doing all this other stuff that when we do and we're not in our right mind, all that money is going to the European mental wellness. And, the, and <laughs> that's oxymoron, right? European mental wellness, I'm sorry. Um, European mental facilities. Cultural realignment, that, that pulls all that money out. So just by identifying with who you are and, and really getting into that, you are tangibly pulling money, time, and resources out of this foreign reality and existence that we're in. And if more and more and more of us did that, whew. And then I haven't even talked about the, the nation-building piece. You get African people of, of, of a similar mind all together, and we're like, you know what, we're not going to go to these Caucasoid schools. We don't want to go to their jobs. We are going to create all of this for ourselves. Now we're talking billions of dollars not going to them and staying with us. So do you really think they have it in your best interest to tell you that, yeah, you are African, identify with Africa? So, of course, they're going to do everything in their power, and they will pay us top money to also parrot that we are not African. Don't deal with Africa. Don't deal with nothing. That's spookism, that's devil, that's all that. They have a vested interest in doing that. have been telling us to look back to the continent hell since the beginning of the uh, of the of the century late 1800s early 1900s you know doing the research looking back to Kemet and Abyssinia and Nubia and you know they was doing that piece but it was blinding that I, I can recall at least that I know of, who was the first person to say that we're different from these people. And he termed it African personality. And then you had um, the Negritude movement. For better or for worse, they furthered and continued the discussion that we're different from these people. And so then the African-centered explosion in the 80s and 90s, really late 70s through 90s, really, really put it, pushed it home with some, with deeper scholarship and a lot more information and, and a more direct connection with the continent. 
myself, Dr. Nobles, and others in their seminal work, Voodoo IQ, helped get large numbers of black psychologists to begin to look at Africa for healing modalities for stolen African people in America. They would not have did that if they thought that we were Americans. All of Dr. Noble's other works continue down this premise, that we are still today African people. He fully, and, and he's doing this, Fully understanding the American experience, I trust. In line with our conscious African aspects and throwing away our Americanisms. I was bringing up the importance of the Africanisms. There's a whole bunch of talk in certain areas about Africanisms. There's even a book, Africanisms in the American Context. And we haven't, depending on who you listen to, (laughs) <laughs> we haven't understood that these Africanisms, as they are called, is our latent and asleep Africanness within us yawning, expressing itself in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And these Africanisms, have been expressing themselves since we got off the boat non-stop to this present day. And folks like Wade Nobles and, 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 and Marimba Ani and, and Baba I.J. Mama Kuiya Koto and, and Kobe Cambone and, and other people, <laughs> Asa Hilliard, uh, I can keep going. They, 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 they've been trying to show that specifically to us. Africans on the yeah no. Where did I go? Hey, do you can't find your place immediately? <laughs> Let's talk about some of these Africanisms for a minute. When we talk about the so-called Africanisms, we need to look at the depth of where they come from. They aren't just random things like my great-great-great-grandfather used to scratch his left big toe all the time, and that's why I do it. No, 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 no. Drained into us within that 200,000 to 300,000 year old African cultural incubator. This is not some new 
behaviorism that just popped up because we're here in America. Just how I opened out up the show with an apae or a libation, giving praise to the African ancestors, the African spirit forces, as well as the African, the liberation-minded African ancestors. And and for folks who are listening and, and doing their own libations, as I'm doing mine, they're probably calling on their family ancestors. That libation, which has been done in Africa from time immemorial, has carried over. But since we don't have the proper context set up, when a homie gets shot on the street, we pull out a little liquor phone. It's the same thing in a different context. We still have extended families based on our intricate family structuring systems that came with us from our real home that we continue to use, make use of on this foreign soil. This extended family concept did not just happen when we got brought over here. That is a... a Oh, I guess since time immemorial, we've had this extended family concept on the continent, and when they brought us over here, we still do it. For folks who ain't related by blood, but they are your best, best friend, the kids come around, they know them as, as, as uncle, they know them as, as, as auntie, that larger family piece, the the. the, the that's not just some Americanisms. That's African culture, latent African culture and values in us that's yawning, that's expressing itself. And part of Africa's reascension in this information is to help wake it all the way up because it's been yawning. It, it expresses itself constantly. But like the like Mama Marimba says, we don't know to look this deeply to see Africa expressing herself in us every single freaking day. The Africanisms that Caucasoid quote unquote discovered that we display is nothing more than our natural innate selves showing itself within a foreign reality. The foreign reality, of course, will create confusions around this concept for their benefit. The so-called Africanisms are continuations of at least 200,000 years of African socialization. They are not weird occurrences within just the last 500 years. Now let me see if y'all get this next point. (laughs) Let me see if y'all get this. Caucasoids start from the research perspective that we are Americans, that black folks, stolen Africans, us, that we are Americans. That's how they start their research. They've they've fully converted us, and they've been successful from doing it since the 1480s. So, yes, from that perspective, they will see any behaviorisms that we have Still connecting back in Africa pop up in us in this aspect of life, in that aspect of life, as something strange. But it's strange to them. 
and it's only strange to them in that context. They start off, we have beaten the African out of them, we have whipped the African out of them, we have um, hung the African out of them, we have shot the African out of them, we have scared the African out of them. So right now, they're all American. We've done it. We the great white people. <laughs> we can't be defeated. Look at us. We can transform whole other cultural groups into something else that they not. So if you come from that perspective, then yeah, these Africanisms in these people who supposedly have been fully converted will be surprising. If, however, you understand the actual reality that a full disconnection from our Africanness did not and cannot happen, we're Africans with Americanisms, the relation to information about continued African existence in this foreign land is an inspiration and is fuel to, one, continue your own personal, conscious, and deliberate displaying of your Africanness, because that is when we have been the most successful on foreign soil. And ironically enough, these Africanisms, when seen from our vantage point, is actually the empirical evidence to show that we are still Africans in America. All these things, all the books that have been written laying out these Africanisms, that's the empirical evidence to show that we're still Africans. If we had been totally 100% fully stripped, you wouldn't see that. And it's been there. Since the boats to 2011 Gregorian calendar, it has not stopped. But since we don't know to look at that stuff as a continuation of our Africanness, we think they got us, and they don't. We just must begin to control the context of which it expresses itself. So we can Don't go anywhere.
So now, what effect does this have on us? Why should the black man in America uh, concern himself since we've been away from the African continent for 400 years, three or 400 years? Why should we concern ourselves? What impact does what happened to them have upon us? Number one, first you have to realize that up until 1959, Africa was dominated by the colonial powers and by the colonial powers of Europe having complete control over Africa, they projected the image of Africa negatively. They projected Africa always in a negative light. Jungles, savages, cannibals, nothing civilized. 
And, well, and naturally, it was so negative until you, it was negative to you and me. And you and I began to hate it. We didn't want anybody to tell us anything about Africa, and much less call us an African. Uh, and, and, uh, and in hating Africa and hating the African, we ended up even hating ourselves without even realizing it. Because you can't hate the roots of a tree and not hate the tree. You can't hate your origin and not end up hating yourself. You can't hate Africa and not hate yourself. And you show me one of these people over here who have been thrown, who has a negative attitude toward Africa, and I'll show you one that has a negative attitude toward himself. You can't have a, you can't have a negative attitude toward yourself, a positive a attitude toward yourself, and a negative attitude toward Africa at the same time. To the same degree that your attitude, that your understanding of, an attitude toward Africa becomes positive, you'll find that your understanding of and your attitude toward yourself will also become positive. And this is what the white man knows. So they very skillfully uh, made you and me hate our African identity, our African uh, characteristics. And you know yourself that we have been a people who hated our African characteristics. We hated our hair. We hated the shape of our nose. We wanted one of those long, dog-like noses, you know. Yeah. Uh, we hated the color of our skin, hated the blood of Africa that was in our veins, and in hating our features and our skin and our blood, why we had to end up hating ourselves. And we hated ourselves. Our color became to us a chain. We felt that it was holding us back. Our color came to us, became to us like a prison which we felt was keeping us confined, not letting us go this way or that way. And we felt that all of these restrictions were based solely upon our color, and the psychological re reaction to that would have to be that <clears throat> as long as we felt imprisoned or chained or trapped by black skin, black features, and black blood, uh, that skin and those features and, and that blood that was holding us back automatically had to become hateful to us. And it became hateful to us. It made us feel inferior. It made us feel inadequate. It made us feel helpless. And when we uh, fell victim to this feeling of in ina inadequacy or inferiority or helplessness, we turned to somebody else to show us the way. We didn't have confidence in another black man to show us the way or black people to show us the way. In those days, we didn't. We didn't think a black man could do anything but play some horn, you know, some sound and make you happy with some songs and in that way. We, but when an inferior thing where our food, clothing, and shelter was concerned and our education was concerned, we turned to the man. We never thought in terms of bringing these things into existence for ourselves. We never thought in terms of doing things for ourselves because we felt helpless. And what made us feel helpless was our hatred for ourselves. And our hate for, hatred for ourselves stemmed from our hatred of things African. I wish that that still wasn't true today. He was, you know, hope, he was trying to be hopeful and talk like that was in the past, and but this new group now has gotten beyond that and will continue to get beyond that. Nah, nah, nah. To the same degree that your understanding of and attitude towards Africa become more positive, to that same degree your understanding of and attitude towards yourself will become more positive. 
I, I, that that became my favorite quote way back when I first heard it in the late '90s, and it was too long to put on a T-shirt, so I put it on my business cards that I would hand out to folks. I just it, it, that four-minute clip just succinctly in my head lays out this whole identity confusion piece, where it came from, why it's needed, um, all of that. Yet we still. I mean, since he's around, he, he and, and we've been more sophisticated, become more sophisticated in our confusion and in our tactics for attempting to explain our confusion, become a lot more sophisticated. But what hasn't changed is identity confusion. So, of course, that was Baba Omawali. Y'all know him as Malcolm X. Um, this is his month, so we're definitely going to be playing stuff from him this this entire month. And then before that, um, Brother Kaba, who I had a chance just to <laughs> meet and, and, and chop it up with earlier today. We was getting some um, food, so so I definitely had to play that. Um, I'm an African magnificent song. <laughs> That's going to be the bomb to the year 3000, if not beyond. Um, again, give a shout out to everyone that's in the chat. Uh, another shout out to Coastal and Kwame, uh, Madasi, Madasi for your support. Um, and 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 to everyone who who is listening, who's downloading, who is downloading it, put it on CD, and then playing it in your car throughout the week. That's that is the highest compliment. <laughs> that I, that is just so sweet and touching. Madasi, that's just a, such a high, high compliment. You, uh, folks are seeing some worth in this, and so they want to travel with it and they want to share it with other folks. And I just say, Madasi na ampim, uh, Madasi na ampim, Continue to pass it along. Continue to do what you do, and get more people to ride in your car so they can hear it more. <laughs> and hopefully, we can get more people um, in this nation building rationalization piece. So, a few weeks ago, we shared um, Baba Ajema Makuya's um, masterful article called "Definitions and Directions in African Identity." And they lay out two large areas and five components, which when you add them all together, equal identity. So see, one issue with the reason why we don't get the identity piece and we really think that white folks can enslave us for even as long as they did and totally wipe us out as far as being Africans is because this deeper understanding of the components of identity have not been fully understood. So you have meta-temporal as an area. Oh, let me, all right. The components can be classified as temporal, spatial, accessible, and determined by material factors, and meta-temporal, that which is inaccessible and only remotely or marginally influenced by factors of the material. These key components are for the meta-temporal, metas beyond, so beyond temporal, is spirit. And for the temporal spatial, they are phylogeny or biogenetic history, history proper, 
culture and psychic function. Psychic function, um, cognitive, intellectual, and emotional functions. Those five areas together equal identity. So let's share some information. And if we don't get through it, we are going to go into overtime. So um, 347-633-9561, Again, Madasi to everyone in the chat room, we're going over um, Identity Confusion 2.5, and we're about to walk through some specifics on how we are still African today, right now, 2011 Gregorian calendar. No, we are. Let me. Let me. I said this on an earlier show, but let me repeat this. No, we are not carbon copies of the traditional folks on the continent. The Maafa experience has transformed our consciousness and our experience to a degree based on the region that we're in. No one is saying that that hasn't happened. What we are saying, what I am saying is that our essence, our core, has not changed. We're still African people. 200,000-year cultural incubator of us being Africans cannot be has, and has not been wiped out by the last 500, 600 years. It's been greatly cloaked. It's been greatly propagandized out of us. But in, in, in this show and giving some of the tools of where to look and how to look for it, our Africanity, hopefully when it's done, will we'll come gleaming. And spiritually. Inyame Odumakuma, Olodumare. Kwa, Engai, Quoth, and all other African names for the creative aspects of the universe, or what Caucasoids call God, created us as Africans and is our first ancestor. What do the African deities tell us? What is given by the creator cannot be taken by any man. What is given by the creator cannot be taken by any man. When you look at how Africans conceptualize the human being, all, at least that I've come across, all have some aspect that directly links them back to the creator, or links them to, I shouldn't say back, links them to the creator. For Western Africa, the Asante call this aspect of the human the Okra. The Golimaseba or as some folks would call them, Guramanche, they call it Yianu, roughly translated as God's consciousness. It's same for the Yoruba, same for the Igbo. I focus on West Africa because in the main, you know, that's where the majority of us taken from. The most recent 500 years of our existence does not and cannot wipe out this function. This reality was not completely stripped from us forever, just the consciousness of of its existence, and that is something that can be retained. First, by identifying with Africa and consciously and deliberately reconnecting to her wisdom outside and inside of ourselves. The spiritual 
going back, reading from Definition and Directions in African Identity. The spiritual core of African identity is not a product or function of intellect or emotion. The individual person is, in essence, a differentiated and unique expression of Odumakuma, of Inyame, whatever African term for the creator you know and want to use, you can plug that in. And simultaneously, a unique expression of the spirit of the family, clan, and national culture. Now this one, I'm, I'm going to work on explaining it a bit better. Might have to do it in, an, in another show, but I'm going to just say it. What this means is what we don't know intellectually about Africa from the spirit perspective, from the spiritual perspective, does not really weigh in on the reality that we are extensions of our African creators, wherever we are on the planet. Knowledge of it only strengthens it. While no knowledge of it doesn't eradicate it, it is still within us only dormant, waiting ever patiently for its conscious awakening. We are still spiritually and genetically connected to lineages and peoples on the continent of the place that we now call Africa. Those lineages created ways of being and cosmologies that pretty much all of them link back to that, that their creative force being that first ancestor, which means that the creative force is directly in your line, in your lineage, and you are a differentiated and unique expression of that creative force. That's our wisdom. That's our understanding of of individual life of the African human being. This is a, a, a partial other way of saying what we said earlier as far as Nsinga Wikanda Daninga, that, that, that biogenetic rope that can't be broken. This is sort of similar here. Lastly, in this area of um, spirit, going back reading the text, the mission, or Nkrabia, of the spiritual core of African humanity, though housed or enshrined in the physical form, may be disrupted, but the spirit itself is unaffected. Historical events, as wretched and horrendous as the Maasa, have not diminished the spiritual core. Clearly, the conscious and subconscious features of our ancestors was profoundly impacted. It is equally clear that they survived the physical torment because of the power of spirit. Among a, major, among a vast majority of Africans, the conceptualization of self-identity has been disordered, distorted, and their personality construct has been profoundly and adversely affected. 
Let's see, are you hearing all of this? Are you hearing that the conceptualization of self-identity has been affected? The personality construct has been affected. Those things have been affected. Let me continue. This is the consequence of our continued interaction with and proximity to the superordinate system of white supremacy in the West. The spiritual core is, however, unaffected, but cloaked in multi-generational layers of cultural misorientation, diseducation, propaganda, fear, and confusion. The mere survival of African humanity and its unyielding urge to reconstitute itself is testament to the strength of the spiritual core of the African. And so then I conclude that up. So spiritually, at our essence, we are still African. Those aspects that made us who we were, that helped get us through the most horrendous thing that human beings have ever experienced is rooted to our spiritual understandings of reality based on the 200 to 300,000 year cultural incubator that we were nestled in in Africa. The way that we understand reincarnation, one word that we have for it is Babra, is that you always come back as a human being. So that helps differentiate it from um, the Asian version. But you also, if you haven't fully completed your mission, your, your multi, a few of your multiple missions um, that you had a, that you created before you were here, that's another story. Um, then you come back in your same lineage three to seven generations down the line. So if you if you are coming to the world from that perspective that I'll be back, then the, the, the whole idea of death has sort of a different connotation to the African. To Europeans, death is final. That's it. You're done. But to us, eh, I'll be back. So, 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 so it's a different relationship there. It's a different way of going into certain things there. Um, and so that's some of our spiritual wisdom. It's been cloaked in a whole bunch of other stuff. And, and you know the majority of us are Christian right now. But that African core, that African spiritual core, has not changed because even within some of these foreign spiritual, foreign religious systems, we still bring Africa into it because we aren't Christians the same way as Caucasoids are. Most of them do not get up and jump up and shout and 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 talk back, if you will, to call a response to that the preacher and the pastor. That's African carryover. Once again, that's that spirit core. If we can remove the Christian veil from that, 
and, and, and remove that Jesus stuff and all that stuff from that and let's let Africa, raw African spirit come, then you'll start seeing more of our power being manifested. So spiritually, at our essence, we're still African. Now let's move to the temporal. Phylogeny. I always have trouble pronouncing it. Phylogeny or biogenetics. Again, dealing with um, Shekanti Joe. I've yet to find a refutation on his research regarding his findings in molecular biology, in which he states molecular biology has isolated racial markers, which are factors almost exclusively located in each racial group. The Diego factor among the yellows or Asians, the Kel factor among the whites or Caucasoids, and the Sutter, Sutter and GM6 factors among black people. That's from Civilization of Barbarism, on page 76. So so he has come up with, and I'd love to see this, you know, updated or, or if there's been some refutation to this, some more research has come out to shoot this down, Kamau301, K-A-M-A-U-301 at yahoo.com. I would love to see it. If, it. if it is shot down, then I'll never quote it again. But if it's not, then this is some biogenetic information to show that on a molecular level, there are ways to show Africans from Caucasoids from Asians. Also, Professor Chopin, um, African Origins of Civilization, Myth or Reality, he devised 11 different ways to determine the racial cultural makeup of the ancient Kemetic population, one of which was his melanin dosage test, which he confirmed the African identity of a few Kemetic Nosuts or as we would call now pharaoh. His melanin dosage test, again, I haven't found any refutations against it or for it. So if if it hasn't been refuted, you could use that today to ascertain the biological Africanness of the brothers in the boroughs on 125th Street <laughs> to the women in the rural areas of Aquapim, Ghana. So while the, the 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 brother I was debating didn't want to deal with um, biological blackness because he's following these white folks and all this biological confusion that they putting out there and the genes and we're more connected to white folks than we had. There's other information out there that says something different. And again, if if there ain't a reputation that's out there for it, then we need to we shouldn't have it. Just the fact that we've got this, the, the, all the epidural, Simplest yet most overlooked oh I went ahead of myself. Overlooked aspect of our continued Africanness is that the majority of stolen Africans worldwide and here in New Europe still possess our epidural skin covering, our high outer melanin content. 
with all of the rapes, all of the sleeping foul, all of that, the overwhelming majority of us could be dropped off practically anywhere in the continent, and if we don't open our mouths, we will be physically seen as Africans. And so instead of building on top of that phenotypic victory, we've got all these African naysayers who who want to shoot that in the foot and claim the disruptor of African reality as their primary identity. When suffering from the Stockholm Syndrome, you know, identifying with the abuser, that's what we do when we call up that there. And instead of reading this one, I'm going to play this clip because um, uh, Dr. Wilson really, Amos Wilson really broke something down in his While he was trained, you know, in psychology and psychiatry, he was widely read and learned in a wide variety of um, disciplines and subjects. And so here I'm going to play a clip where he really, oh, this he speaks on the deep evolutionary significance of the color and coloring of our skin. To appropriately educate your children and yourself, to appropriately understand yourself, you must understand your psychology. And your psychology and our psychology is based on our history and our experience. This is true not only in terms of social history and experience. This is true in terms of biological history and experience. The black body is not a colored version of the white body. We are not a painted white people. The very color of our skin denotes a history. We have come to attain this color. We have come to attain the kind of body structures we have as a result of hundreds of thousands and millions of years of adapting to particular climatic circumstances. So the color of our skin is a denotation of the historical experience, the evolutionary experience of African people. So it's not an accidental color. It just doesn't happen to be. It is deliberately and it is reflectively us. It is history. It comes out of evolving and adapting our bodies to meet the demands of particular environments. And the environments of Africa are not the environments of Europe. And, and our adapting historically to those environments has left its imprint on our bodies. So consequently, we cannot expect our bodies to be a duplicate in in uh, their growth and development of European body. And that's exactly what you don't find. It's not a duplicate. We are the oldest people on this earth. We are the parents of all other races on this earth. We have the longest history on this earth. 
We walked and talked earlier than any other people on this earth. We socially interacted and built social institutions and used language and all of the human possibilities prior to any other race on this earth. And that history is a part of our body. Our children carry in their genes the totality of the history of African people. The genes are not just means of, of uh, determining the blueprint of the body. The genes represent evolutionary history. And therefore we carry the total collective history, first of all, of humanity in our bodies. That history that we share with all human beings, regardless of race. But we also carry in our bodies a particular racial history. A history that is more unique to our racial experience. And all of that knowledge is encapsulated within our very body structures. So what these scholars are clearly showing is how we have still returned our Africanness on very deep levels that the last 500 years surely could not dislocate us from. Biogenetically, we are still African. So again, like I said, we got 18 minutes left. We will continue this when these 18 minutes are up. So if you want to get in and continue listening after the 18 minutes, 347-633-9561, Linguistically. Linguist Ernie Smith in one of his lectures called the Ebonics Debate, and linguist Dr. Geneva Smitherman, in her works, Talking and Testifying and Black Talk, have shown conclusively that while we may speak English words, we have been brought over, we have brought over our West African language systems or, or walls. W-A-L-S, or you could even call them pan-African language systems. I don't even like the term Ebonics. I don't even use that. West African language systems or pan-African language systems. We brought those over to us, with us, and infused it with our captive English vocabulary. That's what we do versus speaking English the way Caucasians speak it. Dr. Smitherman, what Dr. Smitherman says about our language is, it involves the substitution of English words for West African words, but with the same basic structure and idiom that characterize West African language patterns, syntactical structure and idiomatic rules. These two areas of a language remain relatively rigid and fixed over time. She concludes that grammar is the most rigid and fixed aspect of speech. That part of any language which is least likely to change over time. Just some own giggles. I'm going to read half of that again. Syntactical structure and idiomatic rules 
are the two areas of language which remain relatively rigid and fixed over time. Grammar is the most rigid and fixed aspect of speech, that part of any language which is least likely to change over time. So so the way our, our sentence structure isn't the same sentence structure that, that, that we have been forced into for still the large majority of us over the last 500, 600 years. And now a few determining factors of this research. Tense, one, tense is sometimes defined by context versus quote-unquote proper conjugation of the verb. Our use of be without conjugation he be late all the time. In English, you would probably say he has been late all the time. But within our West African language system or Pan-African language system, our way is correct. And even um, Dr. Asante, he, he wrote a book, he, he wrote an article on this, he even asked that the verb systems of Twi, Igbo, and all Niger-Congo and a lot of other West African languages Exhibit a similar lack of inflection to show time Past, present, and sometimes future time Are indicated by context Rather than verbal inflection Next English consonant clusters Versus West African language system morpheme structure in English words that especially end in a consonant vowel structure, we still, 500 years later, conform to the West African language construct. Therefore, words like west, best, test, W-E-S-T, ending consonant verb, S-T, S-T, with the, with the consonant vowel ending, is pronounced cultural linguistically. Okay, let me start it over here. Therefore, words like West, Best, and Test within the with the consonant vowel ending, it's pronounced cultural linguistically as West Best Test. Or some words starting that way, like that. And this, T-H again, the constant vowel, constant vowel, is usually pronounced as that or this, omitting the other consonant. Oh, that's not constant vowel. I meant, oh, I didn't give the rule for that one. I'm sorry. So I just gave the rule for constant vowel ending, but I should have given the rule for um, when it's consonant, consonant, the TH. My bad. That piece overall is speaking to that in, in those aspects and in others, because, again, Geneva Smitherman and Ernie Smith walk through a whole bunch of that, and they give the specific rules. And I don't have the article with me. I did. I had a linguistics class. And, and in the class, I went through and I surveyed like 100 
Africans from different walks of life, and I had each particular rule listed, and for some reason I just forgot to list that particular, <laughs> that double consonant at the beginning rule with the TH, so I'm sorry about that. But contrary to speaking incorrect English, we are actually speaking correctly in our innate African linguistic sense. Lastly, we have added tonality being linked to semantic nuance. In in other words, the word bad can mean different things just based on how it's pronounced. And that comes directly from our tonal languages that were deeply embedded within our African psyche. Yoruba, Mende, Igbo, just to name a few. So while the African words may have left us, our African grammar structures, even after 500 years, is very much alive in us and with us. So linguistically, we are still Africans. Now, this part of it really tripped up and really... I won't say it really got under my 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 my, my opponent's craw, if you will, because he's the linguist person, and he kept trying to say that based on the fact that we have lost our language, that meant that we stopped being African. Someone else mentioned the point that the way that continental Africans conceptualize. Um, Certain words, we have lost it, and we have we conceptualize them now like European. And while I definitely don't agree with the first argument that just solely because we don't speak African languages now that that means that we're not Africans, that's a fallacious argument. And I wish I would have brought up in the debate a point that somebody else made to ask him. So all of the Caucasoids that are fluent in African languages, does that mean that they're more African? Than us that that biogenetically still look like them, just because they speak the language. Uh, but I didn't get a chance to ask them that question. Uh, but the, the, just because, but but to the second point, the conceptualizations as it's been changed, it can be relearned. That does that's not an identity defining characteristic. By 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 having knowledge of a certain conceptual idea transformed in us does not mean that that the total identity piece of us has been transformed. If we understood the spirit piece that I laid to, all this other stuff really can't touch the identity piece. Um, if we understand identity in its deep sense. But then also certain aspects, well, I won't go there. I won't go there. Culture is defined simply by Dr. Wade Nobles as a process which gives people a general design for living and patterns for interpreting their reality. He expands one day I'm going to do a whole show on this because I think this is a deep, 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 deep concept that, that we don't get, we don't understand. Dr. Nobles expands on this more elaborately by stating elsewhere 
that there are three depth areas to culture. Three depth areas to culture. The uppermost the uppermost level is labeled the surface level expressions or manifestations of culture. Music, clothes, hairstyles, etc. That is where Caucasoids have put the entire their entire breakdown of what culture is on that surface level. This is why we think that if all that surface level stuff is gone, music, clothes, hairstyles, etc., that we've been totally cut off. Conversely, you've got some folks, some black folks, who feel that if you listen to African languages, you've got natural hairstyle and you've got a closet full of dashikis, that you're that you're you you're fully re-Africanized. That's not true either. On both of those examples, that's just the surface level, surface level, the uppermost. Next, underneath that, deeper than that, is the ideational aspects, worldview, ideology, etc. The ideational aspects, and the deepest area of culture is its defining factors or its assumptions. I even go as far as to call it the assumptions level of culture, which is cosmology, how one understands and relates to the universal forces of existence, axiology, how we understand existence and others, etc., Epistemology and ontology All those are there as well uh, On this On this assumptions level And so I'm just going to bring it into the discussion Now but we are definitely going to Have a full show On the deep structure Of culture Because we get over inundated And bombarded with The surface level of culture is being the totality of culture, and so then when we want to when we go to certain events that that profess to be pro-black, and then they talk about, oh, we're about to have the um, cultural part of our of our day, and some stilt dancers and some African drumming come out, but the whole rest of the stuff was highly European or highly doing some other stuff in blackface. No, they're, that's just the surface level of what African culture is. We, no, it, culture itself is deep, 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 at least three levels. And so we're going to get into that heavily on another show. Four minutes left. Folks in the chat want to continue listening? Three four seven six three three nine five six one. While we while we all are deliberately misled to look at culture only on the surface level, because it is at this level that the manifestations can easily change. It is the other two, primarily the assumptions level, that doesn't get much play. Cosmology-wise, we stolen Africans do not relate to the creative forces the way Caucasoids do. 
even with the false religions of Christianity, we brought Africa into it with our emphasis on music during services. We brought spirit into it by shouting, being moved, etc., which are direct carryovers of our traditional African experiences, just reduced and confined to the religious symbol called Christianity. We brought the call and response style into the systems forced upon us. We don't separate the spiritual life from our everyday life. Separation of church and state does not exist within our religious constructs. Another culturally connected thing we do still to this day, we operate on multidimensional perception orientation. That's just big words to say. We use our all of our five senses to engage reality, as well as our intuition, as well as feeling vibes, as well as precognition. And African personality in America goes over the basic African personality traits and their defining factors in Chapter 4. So you want to go into that and check those out. Eh, I don't need to make that aside. A majority of stolen Africans still have respect for those that are older than them. This, again, is carryover from our 200 to 300,000 year cultural incubator called Africa. This area is taking damage from the self-proclaimed niggas and bitches of our populace directly because they identify with America and see no other way to be. This this has a better chance for reversal by awakening them to their inherent Africanness. Large numbers of stolen Africans still remember and acknowledge their ancestors and dead loved ones in a myriad of culturally connected ways, not speaking ill of the dead due to their, due to their ancestral status, creating T-shirts with their faces on it, as we stated earlier, pouring out liquor form in libation-styled form, and anyone who's been ever been to an authentic African ceremony knows that libation is poured at the start of every gathering to to ask blessings from the spirit world on that particular gathering. These are not just surface level Africanisms. They are deeply based assumption level Africanisms that 500 to 600 years of Caucasoid transformation has not wiped clean from our cultural hard drives. The, the larger African population in America unconsciously display their Africanness every day in some very surface ways, but more importantly, in deep and profound ways. Then there's an ever-growing number of stolen Africans in America who consciously and deliberately display their Africanness with African-centered independent schools, um, with jingilis or what y'all would call altar in their homes, dedicated to the deities and the ancestors, etc. We will continue this. 347-633-9561. 347-633-9561. We'll go ahead and play the close um, and then come back and get the rest of this. Um, thanks for everyone who listened, um, who will be listening, and who will download the archives. Yebede Inconim, we will be victorious.
Abibi Fahodier, Total African Liberation. See you after the music. system of European control work is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. I'm going to make this real clear. Alright? The only fucking reason we ever listened to the Nation of Islam because they used that black shit. The only fucking reason we listened to Nation Gods on Earth because they used that black shit. The only reason we listened to the black Hebrews because they used that black shit. The only reason we listened to the black Christian nationalists because they used that black shit. And if we can agree that they all use that black shit, then why not go back to the black shit? That is Word. the mama which is made. That is the point. Why they continue to play games with me? You're using my black shit and covering it up with the bullshit. So all you do is wipe off the bullshit and get you the black shit, which is the only shit. It makes absolutely no sense to go to church. You go to church, you pray. You dance and you sing. You go to a white church, you sit there like a fucking monk. The difference between the white church and the black church is the black shit. So why not just go back to the black shit? Go to the most high point of anything. Go home before you was corrupted. It is a clear time frame reference where the only people on the planet were those black people. There was no Islam. There was no Judaism. There was no lessons. There was no gods on earth. There was no word for God. Just original people vibing with each other. Soul, soul, sun, beings. So I'm not mad if you continue to use my black stuff, but don't get mad at me because I refuse to be tricked. Give me the uncut thing, okay? I said this before. If you're going to get high for cocaine, don't sniff the scramble. Get the raw shit, all right? If you're going to practice spirituality, get the raw shit. Stop dealing with the cut. Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Nation of Gods on Earth, West Muhammad, they all deal with the cut. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. It ain't even hard to see. It's very, very simple. So I'm not trying to advocate or even say, well, they're using this. Well, if they're using that, why don't they go back to the stuff they claim they use? If, if they use that in, in their literature, right, and they say it's right and exact, then why not go back to the point of origin of the things that they claim is right and exact? If you're going to use uh, Timbuktu, if you're going to use uh, ancient African science, if you're going to use the pyramids and say, yeah, but you created that, right? You already know it predates anything you're talking about, and why not go back to that? That is the fundamental difference. 
I refuse to stay in mediocrity. I refuse to be conquered by religion. You're conquered by religion if you're trying to explain to me that the brothers are talking about the black stuff, but they're still Muslims. They're conquered by religion. With the first thing that ever walked upright. With the first people that ever thought about reading and writing. Philosophical thought. Mathematics. Science. You cannot defeat your enemy with the cut. He will wash your cut ass away. That's why I say what I say. Because it's black African power. Not black Christian Muslim Hebrew, God's earth power. That is no power. That's called lack of power. And you're suffering from post-traumatic slave syndrome. Inferiority complex, those brothers have. If you're Muslim and you're black Muslim, you're suffering from an inferiority complex. If you're Christian and you're a black Christian, you're suffering from an inferiority complex. If you're nation gods on earth, you're suffering from an inferiority complex. Because you're saying that some people came in and gave you something and now you accept it. Meaning your system was inferior to what was brought into you. And I refused to do that. Any excuse I can get to play that clip, I'm going to play it. Whew, brother Aunt lays it out. O U T lays it out. I love that quote. The Africanisms, we're going to continue now. The Africanisms that Caucasoids quote unquote discovered that we display is nothing more than our innate selves showing itself within a foreign reality. The foreign reality, of course, will create confusion around that concept for their benefit. The so-called Africanisms are the continuations of at least 200,000 to 300,000 years of African socialization with multiple deep cultural, structural level examples. I hope you can see that we are still Africans. Let's move quickly to psychology. African psychologist Dr. Linda James Myers squarely delineates the crucial factor of positive African identity development when she says, quote, the highest levels of positive identity development cannot be achieved without making a conceptual shift away from the dominant suboptimal belief system. Without that switch, materialist values, and the faulty orientation of basing worth on external criteria will likely inhibit one's capacity to see black people as positive in comparison to their white counterparts. Let me, let me, I, that was good. I got to read that again. The highest levels of positive identity development cannot be achieved without making a conceptual shift away from the dominant suboptimal belief system. Basically, she's saying you cannot have high 
positive self-identity and self-development if you don't move away from white folks' thinking, which is suboptimal. Continue. Without the switch, materialist values and the faulty orientation of basing worth on external criteria will likely inhibit one's capacity to see black people as positive in comparison to their white counterparts. If you're basing everything off of material and you're basing everything off of European interpretations of our history, you will more than likely see white folks more favorably than your own self and other people that look like you in the mirror unless you conceptually shift and stop thinking like them. Continuing. The journal Black Psychology, a treasure trove of research being done today to get a grasp on this identity question and how we see ourselves. Dr. Campbell comments on one study he and others conducted regarding his worldview scale. Campbell and Dr. Kobe Campbell. So now when we say American, I want you to mean, I mean Caucasoid. America was conquered by Caucasoids, and their reality sets the tone within its boundaries. So you can call it multicultural. You can call it multi-ethnic physically and phenotypically. Yeah, that's true. But the dominant worldview belief system of America is Caucasoid in nature. It's their history, their experiences their understanding of the world, their relations to the world that moves forward the main thought in every universe, in practically every university, in practically every movie, in practically every TV show in this whole entire freaking reality in America. And they try to get it globally, but they haven't got it global. But here in America, they got that unlocked. So, that's what sets the tones within these boundaries. So, his worldview scale was to assess differences through self-reports of African and European subjects. It was administered to 94 Africans and 87 European college students, ranging from 17 to 52. The items on the scale contrasted our African worldview with that of the European. Some items that was dealt with, some items dealt with contrast between harmony with nature versus control over nature, spiritualism versus materialism, collectivism versus individualism, etc. So to quote from the book, to quote from the study, the findings revealed, as expected, that African males and females scored significantly more consistent with an African worldview orientation on five of the seven dimensions, while the European males and females scored significantly, significantly more Eurocentric on six of the seven worldview dimensions. This study thus indicates that worldview differences do appear to be basic in the beliefs, attitudes, and perceptions of contemporary Africans and Europeans in America, despite centuries of forced cultural assimilation 
of the African into European worldview. So again, I tried to pull that out to say, I'm, I'm trying to get deeper into how we're still African versus most of the surface-level stuff that we hear on other blog talk shows, that we read about and other stuff. And so with, with this survey that he did, even with all the stuff that America is putting on us, there's that latent and that dormant African in us that hasn't died off. And 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 in this example, five out of the <clears throat> five out of the seven dimensions, the African folks scored more consistent with their African worldview. So it's still there, y'all. It's still in us. We just have to get beyond the okie dokes, get beyond the lies, know that the folks that are lying to us are benefiting from those lies. So stop listening to them. Know that black folks that parrot those lies don't really understand who they are, and that's why they parroting those lies. So stop listening to them, and let's come back home so we can consciously and deliberately start waking that African up because it stretches and it yawns in us from time to time, and that's that innate, culturally incubated over at least 300,000-year African in us. It yawns, you know, it shifts from side to side, you know, from the left side to the right side, you know, how you in bed and you shift while you're sleeping. It does that in us, and that's where we, the majority of us, express certain things, and we call them Africanisms. We have to get to Consciously and deliberately First of all Fully awakening the African Inside of us But then using that For political means Using our Africanness For economic means Using our Africanness For nation building efforts Using our Africanness For our very existence that's what we're trying to get to. So spiritually, biogenetically, linguistically, on deep levels culturally and psychologically, I've shared probably about one-tenth of all the information that's out there that talk about that we're still African people. We just have and express Americanisms. To go back, Come on, Marimba. We as black people have been told that we are not African for so long, and with such social scientific quote unquote expertise, we have a great difficulty believing otherwise. Hopefully, I laid out information to counter that, to give you stuff to think about, to give you stuff to analyze. Now, Maybe you can go out and attempt to figure out uh, how are we expressing our Africanness every day. How are you expressing your Africanness every day that maybe you didn't know that that's where it was coming from? Again, the, the, the go to the show page, 
uh, the, the head show page and get those five books. Baba Wade Nobles, probably more than anyone I've come across in a, in a lot of his lectures and in um, Seeking the Saku, walks through stuff, walks through behaviors that 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 his research and other folks' research has shown that goes back to the continent. Earlier, I had mentioned that I did a paper on um, on the, the the West African language systems in my linguistics class. One thing that I came across that stuck with me that I found very, very interesting is you know that dap that we do, the 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 the, the whole hand hitting them back and forth while we meet somebody or when we leave in another African person. I mean, before Obama popularized it with the what Fox called the terrorist fish jab, but you know we grab each other hand and we have this whole <laughs> little ritual thing that we do. And and when I was growing up, it was a bit more intense, um, but we still do it to this day. Geneva Smitherman, in her research, came up with, I think she said it was in Nigeria, they have this thing of called touching the skin. And when you leave, they, they, they touch hands. They give that to each other. And, you know, I haven't been to Nigeria, so I don't know if that, 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 that behaviorism is still going on. But when I came across that, I was like, whoa, are you serious? Even that little hand ritual that we do in meeting and leaving, that even is is an Africanism, that is even Africa expressing herself through us in foreign lands. Wow, that's <laughs> I, when I first came across that, that just hit me like, whoa, that's, that's, that's deep. You know, to... to so, so again, after you check out Wade Nobles and get his book, Seeking the Saku, and he walks through, you know, some of the stuff, if you get a hold of the DVD he did from Sankofa 2 and Yim Yam, he walks through about eight, ten of them, ten different things that we do. Then go out and look at it for yourself. Because once you, dear listener, get a better and deeper aspect of what the African worldview is, then you can start seeing it being expressed day to day in different folks. And and of course it's not labeled as such and we went through depths showing how it's not to their benefit to label it as such. But it's to our benefit to label it as such. So we can get out of the present quagmire that we're in. Going back to Mama Marimba, let the circle be unbroken. Our Africanness has existed within us primarily on an unconscious level. But the forces of evil are strong. European colonialism is powerful, and the unconscious survival of African heritage within us is not enough to subdue it. This survival must be moved to the level of the conscious awareness so that it can be used for political analysis, motivation, and commitment. We must turn our spirituality, our ethos, our Africanness into a political tool. We must harness the energies that lie dormant and forge them into a powerful political force for liberation and self-determination. 
That's why I always emphasize conscious and deliberate. We got to start doing things consciously and deliberately. Every single day I walk out of the house, I have something on that represents Africa, that shoots African energy through me, whether it's a bracelet, a necklace, a ring, something. I got some red, black, and green flags. I may just stuff one of those in my pocket. Every single day I go out in this beast, (laughs) I, I, I try to have some African energy on me. If there's a day that I forget it, Right when I come home, I burn some incense, try to wash that European stuff off of me. Um, we, and, again, an African personality in America walks through specific things that you can do to Africanize your space. And, and, and it's stuff that has to be done, especially in this beast called New Europe. I think Bamba Amos got something to say about African centeredness. We have to get these young men to understand, and when we're training them for manhood and the young women for womanhood and so forth, it requires that we perceive white supremacy as the major social and political and economic spiritual problem to be resolved by African people. And that we ask ourselves the question, what kinds of men and women must we produce in order to overthrow white supremacy? And overthrow white supremacy must be our goal. If you're not about overthrowing white supremacy, you're not about African-centeredness. Mm-mm. And the other thing is, if you're not about nation-building, you're not about African-centeredness either. Anyone here is talking about African-centeredness and so forth is not talking about nation-building, and not talking about the building of a pan-African economic and political system is really, to my mind, not talking about African-centeredness. No, sir. Because the education of our children and what that education means and what it should contain and the educational experiences they should undergo must be, be defined within a framework of overall purpose and goals for our people. Where are we going? What is our major problem in the world? One of our major problems in the world is white supremacy. This is not the problem of white children, you see. And an appropriate education of African children then requires that they be trained to do what? Solve that problem. And an education that does not include how to overthrow white supremacy among black people and how to destroy white power over black people is not African-centered. I don't care how much culture you teach, how much history you teach, it's not about that. It's not about that. An education that is not about building a black nation and a nation within a nation and an African system of people cannot be an African-centered education. When you study economics and science and all of these other things, they must be studied within the frame of where you're going as a people and as a whole, you see. And their organization must be structured in terms of overall goals, national and international goals. When the United
Let's see what Baba Noble's got to say about this. We have to understand our damage if we are to rectify it. And this notion of, 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 of the ma'afa, the, 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 the death and destruction beyond human comprehension and convention is only understandable when you realize that the way, the question, what do we do with these Africans, was answered is that you deny the validity of their humanity. See, that's the answer. The ma'afa was about the denial of the validation of the humanity of African people. And once I deny your being a valid human being, I can do anything to you because you're no longer human. I can do anything to you. So during the lynching, I can, I can, I can cut out a black woman's body, her baby, while she's being lynched. She's already being lynched, head over fire flames, being tortured and destroyed, and I will proceed to simply cut open her belly, and as that beautiful black baby falls to the ground, I take my foot and stomp its head. That's beyond human comprehension and convention, but it only happens when you have made the psychological shift to say these things are not human beings. And when we walk to the store, when I, I get my degree, I got my gold card. I got, got doctor on my gold card. I'm so, I'm so proud of myself. You know, don't, don't have my, my first name is doctor on my gold card. When I go to the store to use my gold card and someone looks right through me and waits on the white person behind me, right. that's my offering. That's destruction. That's the damage of my entirety as a spirit and as a human being. We have to look at these things not as some atrocious, vulgar act of violence, but as the more subtle, subliminal violence that erodes our sense of integrity as a human being. So we're going to wind up here. Um, hopefully you can see it. We're going to address this um, occulto reaffinization process diagram. So at the top... It has historical reconstruction, antiquity, and contemporary. The line going to the left, revitalized core values of antiquity, and under that, recovery of sacred works, philosophy, and language. The lines over on the, the boxes over on the right, recovery of core values of surviving traditional societies, and under that, reestablish physical linkages, restore traditional values and cultural formations. So now, okay, I'll go, I'll read the whole thing, but the focus will only be on the rediscovery part because, again, that's where we're at right now. And there's still confusion or even anti-doing those four or five things laid out. And so for some, I mean, some are moving forward with this, so that's cool. Now, right in the middle of the rediscovery and redefinition phase, you have a big block in the middle. African-centered identification and evaluation of positive values and behaviors in the contemporary national experience. And then in the redefinition phase, on the left side, you have development of African world ideology. 
and development of pan-Africanist nationalist institutional infrastructure, including education, defense, and industrial development. On the right, in redefinition, selective adaptation of non-African technology. Selective adaptation of non-African technology. And abandonment of culturally alienating behaviors and institutions. In other words, philosophy, religion, method, language, etc. Then all of that points down to the revitalization phase. The fusion of traditional and techno-political exigencies of modernity with the eventual goal of revitalized and liberated African continuum. So now this document comes from their book, Nation Building, pages 32 through 35. Nation building as reaffinization. Nation building finally is a systematic and sustained effort to reconstruct the national culture in all of its dimensions. That effort must begin with the reconstruction of the historical nucleus, the fuel core of culture, whose dynamism radiates outward and energizes and defines the language, systems, institutions, and state apparatus of the national culture. This effort or process corresponds to what Cabral called reafricanization and entails the reconstruction and rehabilitation of the historical continuum and the historical consciousness that was aborted during the Ma'afa of African enslavement. They may have wrote this before the Ma'afa term was around, so they used Holocaust, but now they would use Ma'afa, so I'm going to use Ma'afa. I mean, there's just so much in that one <laughs> paragraph. All, again, I think I said it last week, all of these folks have bits and pieces. The socialists have a piece of what could be done. The Moors have a piece of what could be done. Um, the nation has a piece of what could be done. The UNIA has a piece of what could be done. But instead of all of them falling under the umbrella of African nation building, they want to take the lead in doing everything. Building the nation up were, were two great examples that was given by the UNIA and the NOI. So for us African-centered, pan-Africanists and nation builders, we can look at those models of how they were able to build stuff up and reduplicate that. But we would drop off the um, the conflicting religious orientations of the NOI and of um, the UNIA, and it's still conflicting to this day, and that's a damn shame. Um, with the Moors and their understanding of Black's Law and all the different tricky terminology that, that, that Caucasoids use. That's a good thing, and that one little thing can be used um, within a nation context because we will need some people who will need to know the European law, 
So when they come and try to mess with us, or even before they come and try to mess with us in our nation, we have folks on the case that know what's going on and can create the quote-unquote proper terminology to get them off our backs. But all, most of all that other stuff that the Moors kick is useless and will not help us move forward. Uh, the socialist folks and their critique of the capitalist system is pretty good, and and that can help make sure that we don't get too far out um, in any economic system that we do create. But them being the ones to fully run the the nation and their soul on that, well, actually they don't even have a breakdown for what a nation will look like outside of just some nebulous state, which isn't culturally defined. Don't get me started on that. But anyway, um, the, 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 the folks that are coming from the Panther background, we need folks that know how to shoot. We need folks that are our, our, our marksmen and sniper experts and all that sort of stuff. But the an army should never run the entire nation. They are the army of the nation. They are the army that defends the nation. So, again, all of those that I mentioned, if they properly understood their role, would all fall in line under the African nation to deal with their specialized expertise within the nation concept. But since we don't have enough of us who are who are the architects of that nation, and since all those groups mentioned have egos out of this world and historical pseudo-explanations out of this world, I don't, I'm not too hopeful that they would all... Understand what I just said and fall in line within the nation context. So we will still have to train some folks to shoot. We will still have to train folks on how to buy the buildings and build the nation. We will still have to train our own folks to understand the law and do whatever, whatnot. We won't be able to, I don't think at this point we'll be able to take the expertise of these other groups and have them subsumed within the African nation once we get it up and running because of the, the, the egos that drive them and the, the, the high, high fallaciousness within some of their historical um, constructs. I'm not Lemurian. I'm African. Getting back to page 32, sorry about that, in nation building. This nation building reaffinization process must necessarily follow the outlines of the cultural sphere elaborated earlier. It will entail three basic overlapping stages, including rediscovery, historical recovery. Second, redefinition, cultural reaffirmation. And third, revitalization, national liberation. It must begin, as indeed it always has, with the systematic exhumation and revivication or revivification of African history throughout the continent and the diaspora, from antiquity to the contemporary. The first stage must include the recovery and revitalization of the core values of antiquity, particularly as represented in sacred works, philosophy, language, and other symbolic forms. 
The linkage with the civilizations of ancient Kush and Kemet are critical to the entire African historical continuum. It is equally important that the simultaneous effort to recover and revitalize the core values of surviving traditional societies be maintained, as many of those societies can trace their formation and evolution directly to Kemet, or at least to the same seminal African cultural formation of antiquity. Much of the work involved in this effort will involve stripping away the perverse influence of Asian and European cultural invasions and the losses due to neglect and alienation. Many of the values of social formations will be similar if not the same as Kemet. It is nonetheless crucial that actual physical linkages be reestablished and maintained that wherever possible, the traditional formations be rescued and adapted to modernity. So they understand the importance of Kemet. They understand the importance of Kemet to this rediscovery piece, but they don't overemphasize it. There's still to this day traditional folks and traditional cultures that are living that are some of them still haven't been touched. I know that's hard for some folks to believe, but there are still some African cultures that have not been touched by white folks and white thought. And we need to be finding out who they are and we need to be running up to them saying, teach us. Also going in, you know, with with some here's some information I can give you too, you know, my both balance give and take trade information, stuff like that. We don't want to go for, over there with our noses wide open. The process of historical reconstruction will facilitate I'm back on page thirty three. Will facilitate a method and standard by which to identify and evaluate those values and behaviors acquired during the time, acquired during this period of generalized and endemic anarchy, <laughs> that is the legacy of the Ma'afa. So, so within the process of the Ma'afa, technically we're still going through it, but within that exact time frame. They're talking about within historical reconstruction, we have to look at basically how we were affected. What values and behaviors did we get during the Ma'afa process, during enslavement period? We really have to be clear on that. The object of this effort is to firmly establish the historical cultural continuity from Kush Kemet through traditional societies to modernity. Because that's where a lot of us get caught up at. We think that some of the stuff that's been going on today has always been going on. And then we try to find one little thing back in the past and be like, see, see, I told you, this always been going on. But if you have real understanding of that society, you would see that that might be an aberration versus par for the course as it is today. You might see that that's just a full misinterpretation 
by whoever the ethnographer was. You also find stuff get left out because that wasn't a particular research question. <laughs> One beautiful piece about reinventing Africa by Ifeoma Deume is she showed the patriarchal bias in in three research data that was done by quote-unquote popular European writers on Africa. How since they came in looking for an already conceived in their head notion of a quote-unquote God, when they got hit with female gods, creatresses, when they got hit with stories of Duality within the Godhead Man and woman These Europeans just solely Locked off the female piece And reduced Her role Within how that society Conceived them Reduced her to a Consort or reduced her to um, Just the wife When if you talk To the actual people some of them, again, had separate entities that were equal to the male construct, as as in the terms of a goddess. Or you even had some societies, like the Fon, the Fon is the best example, Mawu Lisa. Mawu is the female aspect of the creator. Lisa is the male aspect. A lot of times you don't see both of them put there. Sometimes they'll even give you Mawu, but they won't tell you that that's the female aspect of it. They just put it there. And so you see the term, and then we've all been socialized to think God is a man, so we'll just go along with it. So this this process of... Cultural, historical and cultural continuity is critical. So we can see how we started off, how we continued, and how we got messed up with the invaders. <clears throat> because then that also points, gives you the landmark on how to get back to our better time. Continuing. This process of evaluation of contemporary behaviors and values necessitates the elaboration of an African world ideology. The cultural and nationalist traditions is well represented in modern times by leaders like Martin Delaney, Marcus Garvey, the men and women of UNIA, Lumumba, Malcolm X, Jope, and countless others. That ideology is critical for the development of the institutional and physical infrastructure that will ensure the strength, permanence, and continued development of a truly African-centered nationality firmly fixed within a revitalized African historical continuum. This African world ideology will occasion the formation of a world organization of African people of the kind called for by Terrence Williams, lately by Chin Wazer. Okay. 
Barnett, Martin Delaney, Bishop Henry McNeil Turner, W.B. Du Bois, and predicated on the work of Marcus Garvey. The evaluation of contemporary behaviors and values also implies that some acquired behaviors and values must be abandoned. We don't want to abandon nothing, but that must happen if we're going to get to where we need to be. A strong, comprehensive, and independent educational base, along with control and ownership of media, print, and electronic study groups and cultural arts associations and institutions is critical to advancing and sustaining new African-centered behaviors. The population, particularly the youth, must be convinced that those behaviors that are a consequence of our forced estrangement from our own culture and which are adverse to the interests of the new nationality must be and can be abandoned. A priority of all institutions within the African-centered community must be the rehabilitation of the family. Independent community-based institutions must see themselves as extensions of the family. Effective parenting within a viable family which family is also supported within a supportive network of families, is a central requirement for the perpetuation of those new African-centered values among the youth. This network of families and institutions must seek to channel the development of the young and rescue those who might be led astray by the propaganda of non-African cultural political formation. <clears throat> Lastly, before my voice fully gives out, the third stage of reaffinization nation building process includes the creative and directive fusion of tradition and modernity. This fusion is guided by the principles and priorities of an African world ideology and is consistent with the imperatives of African history and culture. That fusion must reflect the values fundamental to the African historical continuum and at the same time possess the capacity to function effectively in the modern international arena. <clears throat> so I decided <coughs> I decided to go ahead and read the whole thing just so we can start getting a little bit of an African vision. What is all this African-centered stuff? Or or the next phase of it. Because this identity piece, once we get the identity down, you know, we know that we're African, that's not the end of it. (laughs) Then, Then we still have to build. Then we still have to teach our young. Then we still have to engage this foreign reality. We still have to do a whole bunch of other stuff. But this identity confusion is holding us back. And, again, I'm talking within the so-called black nationalist, pan-Africanist, Afrocentric movement. It's holding us up. And within the this quote-unquote conscious movement, it's holding us up because some of us don't identify with Africa, some of us identify with Africa superficially, 
or some of us deal with Africa without any wider political context. <clears throat> and some of us deal with Africa without a spiritual context. There's a whole bunch of issues there. And it's that that's holding us back. Because if we say we profess to know more information, have more information, and we, 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 we're talking all this stuff, then folks are looking to us, basically, to move forward and do different stuff and create things to get us out of what the hell we're going through. And with all the infighting that we're doing and all of the confusion that we ourselves are expressing, that gives sort of an example of why we ain't moved too far. In everything that I can think of, when large numbers of us understood our Africanness, that's when we saw major changes going on <clears throat> with us. As I keep saying it until we're all highly proficient in its history, the Maroon, the successful Maroon societies were the only group to get 100% sovereignty from Caucasoids. Everybody else had pieces and parts of it. Some of them just wanted reform militantly, <laughs> started shouting reform. All the groups we know and love, none of them got it. The only groups that got it were the Maroon, the successful Maroon groups, Quilombo and Palmares, Samanca and Suriname. <clears throat> the um, Gullah Geechee people, Gullah Geechee people down in South Carolina, they had it for some time. I think it's starting finally to encroach on them, you know, now. <clears throat> but what they had that brought it together, they knew that they were Africans. They had shared worldviews, shared consciousness. And so with all that shared, then it's just a matter of <clears throat> how we going to educate the kids, how we going to build for ourselves. How will we engage folks who look like us that come to our area? How will we engage folks that don't look like us and come to our area? And let's get it all written down and let, let's get it in the head of a few key elders so we have it down, packed, how we're going to do those things. <laughs> and then move forward and do those things. And much, much more. <clears throat> That's what we got to be about. But to even get to that, to even understand what I'm talking about, it goes back to the identity. If you think you're American, then you'll be voting and protesting and being mad when America don't take care of you. If you know that you're an African, 
in the proper sense, then you'll hook up with other folks and try to of like minds. Hook up with other folks of like minds <clears throat> and spend large portions of your days, weeks, and months trying to figure out how to create stuff, whatever that stuff is, programs, institutions, you know, something that will help maintain your own sanity, your family sanity, that will help educate your children, um, and all that sort of stuff. And then, ideally, it expands, and it expands, and it expands, and then it becomes an international thing. Then we're talking that global piece. Then we start moving more down towards the revitalized and liberated African continuum and national liberation. So, yes, so we will be coming back to the uh, Makoto's reafternization process um, continuously because <clears throat> there's definitely a lot of confusion again in that rediscovery piece, but we're running out of time, so we won't. <clears throat> Getting to it now Let me go ahead and Close it down before my voice gives All the way out So yeah So I haven't decided if I'm going to do Identity Confusion Part 3 next week Go ahead and do A full focus On um, Dr. Marimba and me And her contributions to what's going on, which are monumental. So, go only, excuse me, favorite the show and follow it. And then once once I decide, you know what's going on. <laughs> but same time next week, since the yeah, same time next week. Um, Badassi, thank you, thank you for everyone who's listening, who's downloading it. Please pass it on to your friends. Tell other folks about it, other folks of like minds, definitely. Um, do like my buddy's doing. Burn them to CDs and put them in your car while you go on to work or doing whatever and listen to them. Um, <clears throat> we need different ideas in our heads different ways of thinking in our heads, uh, and those will create different potentialities for us then to create and aspire to. Again, Yebede Enkonim, we will be victorious, and Abibi Fahodie. Total African liberation. I'm going to play the close again. The way the system of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality, 
which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work, and they will lose their control. <laughs>